Welcome to the Think Anesthesia Veterinary Continuing Education Podcast. I'm Dr. Elizabeth Martinez, Board Certified Specialist in Veterinary Anesthesia and Analgesia and U.S. Director of Technical Services at Jurox Animal Health Incorporated. This podcast is race approved for continuing education for veterinarians and veterinary technicians and nurses. Please visit the podcast description at www.thinkanesthesia.education for more information on how to complete the requirements to obtain your CE certificate for this podcast. The content of this podcast represents the best in evidence-based and peer-reviewed medicine. Some content may be the opinion of Jurox Incorporated, a subsidiary of Jurox Proprietary Limited and its technical services department. As a matter of full disclosure, I need to tell you that I am an employee of Jurox Incorporated. Jurox markets Alfaxin Multidose and Zolotil, Tylenamine and Zolazepam, for injection in the USA. This podcast contains promotional subject matter on Alfaxin Multidose and Zolotil. Full prescribing information can be found at www.jurox.com US or by reviewing the Freedom of Information Summaries online by searching NADA 141-342 for Alfaxin Multidose or ANADA number 200-618 for Zolotil. In our previous episodes, we have discussed preparing your patient for anesthesia and what to consider when developing an appropriate pre-medication plan that provides adequate sedation and analgesia. We are now ready for the next step in the anesthesia process, induction. The focus of this episode is to discuss commonly used anesthesia induction drugs for dogs and cats. Induction of anesthesia is best achieved with intravenous administration of rapid-acting drugs. An intravenous induction allows for the titration of drugs until the desirable effect is observed, and you can rapidly intubate the patient in order to protect the airway and, if needed, be able to support ventilation. I realize this technique may not be an option for a fractious patient or when IV access cannot be obtained. However, remember that using an induction technique, such as a mask or chamber induction with an inhalant anesthetic, causes stress and potential injury to patient and personnel, delays the ability to control and protect the airway, and results in exposure of veterinary personnel to waste anesthetic gases due to environmental pollution. For these reasons, mask or chamber inductions should not be used except as a last resort. Because all anesthetic induction drugs have the potential to produce significant respiratory depression and delays may occur in endotracheal intubation, pre-oxygenation either using a face mask or flow-by technique for three minutes prior to induction is recommended if the patient is compliant. McNally et al. in a 2009 study published in the American Journal of Veterinary Research showed that dogs breathing room air desaturated rapidly with a mean of 70 seconds following induction until the SpO2 was less than 90%. Dogs that were pre-oxygenated for three minutes with 100% medical-grade oxygen took significantly longer to desaturate at almost 300 seconds. Let us now move on to a discussion about what is the ideal injectable anesthetic drug. According to the 5th edition of Lemon Jones Veterinary Anesthesia and Analgesia Textbook, the ideal induction drug is a water-soluble, has a long shelf life, and is stable when exposed to heat and light. The required drug volume is small, the drug has a wide safety margin and a short duration of action, and no cumulative effects. 
Also, according to Lemon Jones' textbook, the ideal anesthetic drug provides adequate analgesia and muscle relaxation, and most importantly, perhaps, does not create unpredictable life-threatening changes in cardiovascular and respiratory function. Unfortunately, there is no injectable anesthetic drug that meets all these criteria. Therefore, when developing an individualized anesthetic drug regimen for a specific patient, you should consider the clinical effects of each drug, as well as the patient's physical status when selecting which induction drug to administer. Let's now talk about the commonly used anesthesia induction drugs for dogs and cats and the characteristics of each drug that should be considered when developing an individualized anesthetic plan. These drugs include propofol, alfaxalone, ketamine in combination with diazepam or midazolam, and tylenamine in combination with zolazepam and etomidate. While no longer available in the USA, thiobarbiturates are available in other countries for use as anesthetic induction drugs. Alfaxalone is the pharmaceutical ingredient in Alfaxin Multidose and Alfaxin Multidose IDX. Alfaxin is classified as a neurosteroid due to its similarity in structure to progesterone, but has no hormonal effects. Alfaxin multidose is indicated for the intravenous induction and maintenance of anesthesia in dogs and cats. Alfaxin multidose IDX is indicated as a sedative and anesthetic in multiple non-food producing minor species. Propofol is the active pharmaceutical ingredient in Propoflow, Propoflow 28, and other propofol-based products for use in both veterinary and human health. Propofol is classified as an alkyphenol hypnotic agent. There are many pharmacological similarities between alfaxalone and propofol. Propofol and alfaxalone have a similar mechanism of action. Following administration of either drug, the drug passes into the central nervous system and interacts with the GABA-A receptor. The GABA-A receptor is a large five-unit transmembrane protein receptor. Besides propofol and alfaxalone, binding sites on the GABA-A receptor also include benzodiazepines, barbiturates, and etomidate. The immediate cell environment includes chloride ions and the naturally occurring inhibitory neurotransmitter GABA. When GABA binds to the GABA-A receptor, the ion channel opens and small amounts of chloride leak into the intracellular space. After drug binding to the GABA-A receptor, the ion channel opens further and larger amounts of chloride ions move into the cell, causing hyperpolarization. When a critical number of cells become hyperpolarized due to binding by propofol or alfaxalone, the patient becomes anesthetized. Now, anesthesia is a transient event. When a critical amount of drug dislodges from the GABA-A receptor through drug distribution, the patient regains consciousness. Alfaxalone and propofol are both administered to effect to produce rapid, reliable, dose-dependent, non-cumulative sedation and anesthesia without analgesia. For both drugs, the major organ of metabolism is the liver, with the majority of inactive metabolites excreted in the urine. There are some notable differences between the formulation of these two agents. Alfaxa multidose is a clear, pH-neutral aqueous solution, whereas propofol is a lipid emulsion. This means that there is no tissue damage observed should peri- or extravascular administration of alfaxin multidose occur. In fact, alfaxin multidose will be absorbed into the bloodstream after peri- or extravascular administration and can exert some clinical effect. Propofol products that are currently available suggest in their prescribing information to protect the vial from light, do not freeze, and shake well before administration, as the formulation is an oil and water emulsion which can have micro-separation. 
Alfaxa Multidose is an aqueous solution that does not require protection from light nor shaking before use. Clinically, the most common questions I hear are what are the differences between alfaxalone and propofol? And when would one drug be preferred over the other? There are numerous published peer-reviewed studies evaluating and comparing the clinical effects of both drugs in dogs and cats. Generally, both drugs cause dose-dependent respiratory and cardiovascular depression. In a 2013 study published in the Veterinary Anesthesia and Analgesia Journal, Emigual et al. compared propofol and alfaxlone for induction of healthy dogs anesthetized for elective surgery or diagnostic procedures. 30 dogs were induced with propofol, and 29 dogs were induced with alfaxlone. They observed that post-induction apnea greater than 30 seconds and hypotension occurred at a greater incidence with propofol than alfaxlone. They also observed that patients who were administered alfaxone had a higher systolic arterial blood pressure than propofol at all measured time points. Muscle twitching also occurred at a lower frequency with alfaxone than propofol. In a 2012 study published in the Research and Veterinary Science Journal, Keats and Whittem evaluated the effect of IV dose escalation with alfaxone and propofol in six healthy dogs. The median dose that induced apnea was higher for alfaxalone at five times the labeled dose compared to two times the labeled dose for propofol. They concluded that propofol was more likely to cause apnea than alfaxalone. Several studies have compared alfaxalone to propofol when administered for induction of anesthesia for C-sections in dogs. These studies have shown that alfaxalone to be equivalent to propofol when evaluating puppy survival at 24 hours. However, newborn viability, assessed by APGAR score, was higher when using alfaxone for induction than when propofol was administered. If you're interested in learning more about the similarities and differences between these two drugs, please visit the on-demand webinar, An Evidence-Based Comparison, Alfaxalone versus Propofol, that is available on our thinkanesthesia.education website. Dissociative anesthetic drugs are routinely used for induction of anesthesia in many veterinary species, including dogs and cats. The two dissociative drugs used in veterinary medicine are ketamine and tylenamine. Tylenamine is combined with the benzodiazepine zolazepam and sold under the trade names of Tilazol by Zoetis, Zolotil for injection by Jurox, and Tilzolan by Decra. Dissociative anesthetic drugs are phencycline derivatives that following administration produces a state of dissociative anesthesia. This is characterized by dissociation of the thalamocortical and limbic systems, resulting in a change of awareness. Ketamine and tyletamine are non-competitive antagonists at the NMDA receptor and cause their effect by blocking ion flow through the receptor channel. Dissociative anesthesia resembles a cataleptic state. The patient does not appear asleep and does not respond to external stimuli. The eyes may remain open and the palpebral reflex remains intact. Patients will maintain their pharyngeal reflexes and may lick or curl their tongue. Ketamine and tyletamine have a direct negative inotropic effect on the myocardium, but this is usually overcome by central sympathetic stimulation. Due to this indirect effect on sympathetic tone, administration of a dissociative anesthetic will result in an increase in arterial blood pressure, heart rate, and cardiac output. 
the increase in cardiac work and myocardial oxygen consumption can be tolerated in healthy patients. But you should be mindful of these effects when using dissociative anesthetics in patients with cardiovascular disease. Also in critically ill patients, catecholamine stores and sympathetic compensatory mechanisms may be exhausted, which will then result in the negative inotropic effects of dissociatives being uncovered. Respiratory depression from dissociative drugs is minimal, but you may see an apneustic breathing pattern, which is a prolonged inspiratory duration with a short expiratory time. Interesting ketamine is a bronchial smooth muscle relaxant causing bronchodilation and decreased airway resistance. I always keep this in mind when anesthetizing patients with reactive airway disease, such as asthma. Remember that pharyngeal and laryngeal reflexes will remain intact, but may not fully protect the airway. To prevent aspiration, endotracheal intuba intubation is recommended. Dissociatives will also cause an increase in salivary and respiratory tract secretions. You may want to consider premedicating with an anticholinergic drug to reduce these secretions. Metabolism of ketamine and tyletamine in most species occurs in the liver. However, in cats, ketamine is almost exclusively excreted unchanged in the urine. Therefore, it is advised to use large doses of dissociatives in cats with significant renal disease. It is important to remember that when administering a tylenamine and zolazepam combination such as Zolotil, you are administering two medications that are metabolized and eliminated independently, along with species-specific differences in the rate of metabolism and excretion of drugs and their metabolites. In dogs, Tyletamine undergoes extensive liver metabolism and less than 4% of the drug is excreted unchanged in the urine. Two metabolites of tyletamine and two metabolites of zolazepam are detectable in the urine. For this reason, it is advised to use Zolotil with caution in dogs with severe hepatic disease. Clinically, it is important to recognize that for short procedures in patients recovering from Zolotil anesthesia, dogs will display more characteristics of recovery from tyletamine than zolazepam. Consequently, vocalization, sensitivity to light and noise, and paddling are observed more frequently in the dog than in the cat upon recovery from zolotil anesthesia. In cats, tyletamine undergoes some liver metabolism, but the majority of the drug is excreted unchanged via the kidney. The principal route of excretion for both drugs and their metabolites in cats is the kidney. Three metabolites of tyletamine and two metabolites of zolazepam are isolated in the urine. Pre-existent renal pathology or impairment of renal function may be expected to result in prolonged duration of anesthesia. For these reasons, it is recommended to avoid zolotil in cats that have renal insufficiency. Clinically, it is important to recognize that for short procedures in patients recovering from zolotil anesthesia, cats will display more characteristics of recovery from the effects of zolazepam versus tyletamine. Both Tilazol and Zolotil are labeled in dogs for intramuscular use for the restraint and or anesthesia for minor procedures of short duration requiring mild to moderate analgesia. The labeled indication in cats includes intramuscular injection for chemical restraint and or anesthesia combined with muscle relaxation. Additionally, Tilazol is indicated for the induction of general anesthesia followed by maintenance with an inhalant anesthetic. Adverse reactions that have been reported following the administration of tyletamine zolazepam include emesis during emergence, transient apnea, involuntary muscle twitching, hypertonicity, cyanosis, cardiac arrest, pulmonary edema, and muscle rigidity during surgical procedures. 
central nervous system stimulation, and convulsions have also been reported. Tachycardia frequently occurs, particularly in the dog. The rise in heart rate usually lasts about 30 minutes. Either hypertension or hypotension may also occur. Insufficient anesthesia has been reported in dogs. Death has been reported in dogs and cats following thalidomide and zolazepam administration. You can learn more about the use of Zolotil in dogs and cats by viewing the on-demand race-approved webinar available on our thinkanesthesia.education website. Etomidate is labeled for use in human patients as an intravenous induction drug. It is classified as an imidazole derivative and, like alfaxalone and propofol, acts by enhancing the inhibitory neurotransmitter GABA, resulting in CNS depression and hypnosis. Administration of etomidate in healthy animals is characterized by cardiovascular stability, including minimal changes in heart rate, cardiac output, and arterial blood pressure. This makes etomidate an attractive choice for patients with significant cardiovascular disease. Etomidate has minimal effects on the respiratory system as well. However, a rapid IV bolus can result in post-induction apnea. While etomidate has minimal effects on the cardiovascular and respiratory system, it is important to remember that etomidate does not provide analgesia, so appropriate analgesics should be administered if the patient is undergoing a painful procedure. Muscle tremors, myoclonus, and dystonia can occur following the administration of etomidate. This undesirable effect can be mitigated using a benzodiazepine such as midazolam as a co-induction drug. Etomidate is formulated using propylene glycol as the vehicle, which may result in pain during injection. Also, due to being hyperosmotic compared to plasma, significant hemolysis has been reported in dogs and human patients administered a prolonged infusion. Transient adrenocortical suppression has been documented, persisting for six hours in the dog and five hours in the cat. Therefore, be mindful of this effect when anesthetizing patients with existing adrenocortical disease, such as Addison's disease. Long-term infusions for maintenance of anesthesia with etomidate is not recommended. For completeness and for listeners that may reside outside the USA, let's look briefly at the use of thiobarbiturates as anesthetic induction class of drugs. As I mentioned at the beginning of this podcast, thiobarbiturates are no longer available in the USA. However, in my early years of practicing anesthesia, thiopental and thiamolol, both thiobarbiturates, were commonly used for induction of anesthesia. We didn't have propofol or efaxalone, so our choice was between a thiobarbituate or a dissociative drug. Like propofol, alfaxone, and etomidate, the barbituates act on the GABA-A receptor to produce CNS depression and a loss of consciousness. Administration of a thiobarbituate results in dose-dependent cardiovascular depression. Ventricular arrhythmias, particularly ventricular bigeminy, is not uncommon following induction of anesthesia. Due to sequestration of red blood cells in the spleen, there is an increase in splenic size and a decrease in packed cell volume. We would generally avoid thiobarbiturates when anesthetizing a patient with splenic disease. It is important to remember that sighthounds, due to the lean body weight and deficiency in certain hepatic microsolable enzymes, may result in prolonged recoveries, especially if a large dose is administered. Perivascular administration of a thiobarbiturate can result in tissue necrosis due to its basic pH. If inadvertent perivascular injection occurs, you should infiltrate the area with saline for both dilution and acidification. Lidocaine can also be used to produce vasodilation and to desensitize the affected area. 
I want to mention again that using an inhalant anesthetic, isoflurane or sevoflurane, for induction of anesthesia, chamber, tank, or box induction should not be your go-to induction technique for cats and small dogs. The 2018 American Association of Feline Practitioners Feline Anesthesia Guidelines state that this technique should only be used when other approaches have failed. This is because the anxious and agitated patient will require a higher inhalant concentration to achieve induction, which can result in significant cardiovascular and respiratory depression. Because you cannot monitor your patient appropriately, there will then be a delay in identification of any complications and institution of corrective treatment. Additionally, the high concentration of inhalant to anesthetic in the container will be released into the environment and expose you and other clinic personnel to waste anesthetic gases. The American College of Veterinary Anesthesia and Analgesia, the ACVAA, in its position statement on the control of waste anesthetic gases in the workplace, recommend against the use of face masks and closed containers for the delivery of inhalant anesthetics. Furthermore, the ACVAA position statement recommends that until conclusive evidence is available on the effects of occupational anesthetic gas exposure on health and performance of clinic personnel, we should minimize exposure to waste gases to the lowest practical level. After completing this review of the pharmacology of the individual anesthetic induction drugs, we can now use this information to develop an individualized anesthetic plan for each of our patients. Remember Roxy from my previous podcast on pre-medications? Here's our happy, friendly Cocker Spaniel requiring anesthesia for a dental procedure. We know that she is healthy, no cardiac, renal, or hepatic dysfunction, and she is not aggressive or fearful, but does struggle when restrained. We developed an appropriate premedication plan to provide both sedation and analgesia. Roxy is now calm and relaxed, and we are able to place an intravenous catheter without a struggle. We now need to select which drug will we use for induction of anesthesia. Given the fact that Roxy is healthy, there are no specific contraindication for any of the injectable induction drugs we have discussed earlier. I also have described the ideal anesthetic induction drug. The ideal drug will provide adequate analgesia and muscle relaxation, and most importantly, perhaps, would not create unpredictable, life-threatening changes in cardiovascular and respiratory function. Unfortunately, there is no injectable anesthetic drug that meets all these criteria. It is important to remember that while knowing the attributes of each drug and the status of your patient, familiarity of the drug should also be considered. There is some truth to the adage, the safest anesthetic is one you know best. However, another fact that needs to be considered when we discuss injectable anesthetic induction is that drug shortages continue to be a recurring problem. Drug shortages may be due to difficulty in obtaining the raw materials necessary for drug manufacturing, and for veterinarians may also be due to prioritization of some drugs to human medicine that are in short supply and high demand, such as propofol and midazolam. A list of current drug shortages can be found on the FDA's and American Society of Health System Pharmacists websites. The anesthetic induction drug that you may be most comfortable with using may also become unavailable. You may need to be flexible and choose a drug that you may have limited clinical experience. However, by having a solid clinical understanding of anesthetic induction drugs, you can select another drug knowing the similarities and differences between them. If your anesthetic plan typically includes propofol for induction, a reasonable replacement would be alfaxalone. Alfaxin multidose is only labeled for veterinary use. 
Both alfaxone and propofol have a similar mechanism of action, and we have already discussed the differences in their clinical effects. Without having to change your pre-medication plan, you can simply replace propofol with alfaxone. If you routinely use a co-induction agent, such as midazolam, you can continue to use the same technique, although it's not necessary to include a co-induction drug when administering alfaxalone. If you typically include ketamine with a benzodiazepine in your anesthetic plan, you may experience difficulty obtaining injectable benzodiazepines, such as midazolam or diazepam. The good news is that there is a veterinary-labeled formulation containing both a dissociative and benzodiazepine drug. You can replace ketamine and diazepam or midazolam with tylidomine and zolazepam. There are several products available, including telazole and zolotil. Again, it's all about being flexible and being open to alternative drugs and techniques. Strive to be comfortable with more than just one anesthetic protocol because you never know when or how drug shortages will affect your practice. We hope that the information we have provided in this episode will give you the confidence to expand your comfort zone and confidence with anesthesia induction drugs. Stay tuned for our next episode when we will discuss the next step in the anesthesia process, maintenance of anesthesia, including information on the commonly used inhalant anesthetics and the use of total or partial intravenous anesthesia techniques. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Think Anesthesia Veterinary Continuing Education Podcast Series brought to you by Jurox Animal Health. Jurox is committed to improving the quality of anesthesia globally. As a part of this commitment, we have produced a series of race-approved CE content. Be sure to visit thinkanesthesia.education for a listing of CE material, including podcasts. I'm Dr. Elizabeth Martinez, and remember, when you think anesthesia, think Jurox.